Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, the podcast where we watch the films that my co-host missed growing up. My name is Chris and I'm joined by aforementioned co-host Eric. Hello everyone. And uh, we've got we got a bit of a scary slash fun adventure yeah. mystery one today. <laughs> yes, so um, we watched Poltergeist. The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it with their three children. And something more. They're here. Something's funny going on here next door. Something, uh... We were wondering if maybe you had experienced any disturbances lately. What kind of disturbances? Spielberg crosses a frightening new threshold into a world within our own. Poltergeist. It knows what scares you. Mm, the Steven Spielberg produced and maybe directed film. Ah, okay. <laughs> We're so, to do Toby Hooper. So, yes, yes. So we did this a little bit differently as we alluded to in the last podcast because time is more of a premium than it used to be, but mm. we don't want to stop. So we have already watched the film this time. However, I got Chris to send me a bunch of uh, prompting questions beforehand. To- yeah. So instead of sitting down watching it together like we have done in the past, separate watching, so questionnaire for what Eric mm. thinks before he's seen the film. Yeah, so, so I wrote my answers down and sent them back to him. So Chris has got some little thought bubbles. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, starting with the first one, uh, what do you know about the film? Yeah, so like I said um, in my little note, I knew it was a Spielberg production. I'd always thought it was a Spielberg-directed film mm-hmm. uh, until you lent me the Blu-ray. And I saw some dude I'd never heard of is the... Quote director. Yeah, um, he Toby Hooper is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, big kind of horror genre director guy. Oh. Uh, I'm a big fan of a film he did after this called Life Force, mm-hmm. which is about a sexy space vampire. That's clearly <laughs> terrorizing be London yep. <laughs> <laughs> with an early Patrick Stewart performance. Oh, what? Just and copious amounts of nudity and violence. Of course, <laughs> it's yep. a real great fun schlock movie. Yep. Uh, but he burst onto the scene in the mid-70s with a little horror film called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, is he that dude? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so he's not a quote director. He is a director. Yes, he is. <laughs> he is very much a oh, wow. big kind of figure in the horror scene. But Okay, cool. So he's got a passion for the craft and he's got a very creative background. And Spielberg was a fan of Texas Chainsaw, so mm-hmm. kind of brought him in and yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm. All right. So yeah, like I knew... That, um, I guess, that it was a Spielberg sat in his, um, his 80s collection. I, I thought it was late 80s, but mm. I, I noted that it's, it's quite early 80s. 82. Yeah, so I had that wrong. Um, I thought it was like 88, 89 for some reason. Yeah. Um, and I, I had, maybe it was The Simpsons that had me thinking it or something. I think I had it confused with Pet Cemetery. Um, I knew it was about a family and a haunted house basically yeah and i thought it was on an indian burial ground american mm. indian burial ground yeah um in in your defense so did i when i sat to rewatch it this <laughs> week claire kind of came in and was like what what's the plot and i was like oh it's a house on an ancient indian burial ground ah, there and we go. she rolled her eyes so hard <laughs> yeah, and just left the room yeah but uh, no it turns out no just just a regular old American graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. I mean, that's sacrilegious, isn't it? Oh, don't worry about it. After all, it's not ancient tribal burial ground. It's just people. Yeah, so uh, yeah. So that was my general um, un- understanding. And I was pretty certain that a it, the, the communication was via uh, the youngest female member of the family. Yeah. So I was pretty close. Really. Yeah, yeah. You got quite a few things mm. there. Uh, this was the one I was really looking forward to. I just asked you, uh, what Eric, what is a poltergeist? Yeah, look, I'm going to read out my Eric's dictionary definition, which is a little <laughs> close, but not quite. Mm. A spirit who haunts a space or place due to an old or un- ancient unresolved grudge or debt. Now, that was that's word for word what I wrote down. Yeah, and I will give you uh, word for word the actual yeah, meaning. Yeah, I know they actually <laughs> have it in the film. Uh, a ghost or other supernatural being supposedly responsible for physical disturbances, such as making loud noises and throwing objects. 
Mm. Um, the word poltergeist is a German word, and mm. translated to English, it means noisy ghost. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's so disappointing. I know. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, I wanted some, like, unresolved... I've been watching The Witcher too much and playing The Witcher too much. That you just thought there'd be a little It had to be a debt or something yeah. like that. <laughs> um, the next one was, uh, who is the film about? We kind of covered that with family stuff, so... Yeah, the family, and um, I... I pictured the girl being like the key protagonist like in Chucky yes yeah you mentioned that like, and I also thought the parents were just going to ignore her communicating like oh I can talk to the house or and, something like that and that's kind of in line with a lot of Spielberg stuff where mm. it is very kid especially especially around this time where it's very kid centric and the parents are just kind of the absent figures. that's what I was expecting yeah because yeah, of the, this I think probably because of the cover the poster mm-hmm. and the Spielberg sort of element um yeah, he's, you know, E.T. and all those things are very child-tracking. Yes. Um, yeah, so I threw, I thought that a bit too much, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one, this was my try attempt to fake out. Yeah, yeah. No, I was wondering this. Yeah, uh, how many deaths do you think will happen in the film? My immediate reaction was none with three exclamation marks. Nailed um, it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd never considered this film to contain death at all just like, it never even crossed my mind that there might be a death in this film just spooky ghost <laughs> yeah I was expecting a, a family friendly horror film okay yeah yeah well I mean te- like technically one death with Petey the bird oh yeah I know <laughs> I know poor little Petey yeah <laughs> and the last one was uh, how scary do you think it'll be yeah and I thought not in the slightest yeah for me as an adult mm. uh, like 30 plus years later yeah <laughs> um, so no I was expecting it to be a similar sort of to Jaws you know mm. Jaws has its moments but like you've always told me Jaws is an adventure film first it is right um, yeah. and I was expecting this to be the focus to be on on spooky ghosts mm-hmm. um, but to be a bit more fantastical than horrifying yeah kind of a more look at the special effects and things are moving around the room and yeah yeah nothing kind of too overtly scary yeah not like The Conjuring which I'll continue to talk about throughout this podcast yeah. I think um, well I mean this could be a good gateway into then like how scary did you actually find it not at all not at all no um, <laughs> but you know I'm how old am I? 33. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'd watched this when I was eight, I probably would have found it... At least that clown doll would have been scary. The clown doll's unsettling now. Yeah. Still. So we couldn't figure out why they even had the clown doll. Okay, I, have the, I found that explanation in doing research and stuff. So the clown and the tree were Spielberg's two biggest fears as a kid growing up. Oh, that's cool. He had okay. a tree exactly like that outside his it bedroom window. Tree. And he is afraid of clowns. So that's why he's like, I will write in my two yep. fears. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so no, I, um, no, I didn't, I didn't find it scary. I was surprised how quickly it got to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there'd be a lot more, um, maybe a bit more close encounters, like slow build up. Yeah. Little nudges rather than, oh my God, the boy is being eaten by a tree already. Yeah, it almost seems like because it is such a very similar setup as Close Encounters mm. that it makes you kind of realise how much that film takes its time. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it, <laughs> I was gonna say it doesn't muck around. It yeah. doesn't, but it doesn't rush. Either. It's like Spielberg's closest thing to like an art film. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Um, um, but I guess probably at this point, synopsis for those yeah, that haven't seen it. I guess talk us through it. Um, so the film is uh, takes place in a new kind of housing settlement, kind of development area in uh, the hills of California, uh, where a family, uh, mum, dad, three kids uh, start to experience some supernatural goings on in their house until uh, one night a port, uh, as you mentioned, their son is eaten by a tree. <laughs> or attempted. Almost eaten by a tree. And while that's going on to distract them, a portal to another dimension uh, opens up in the children's bedroom and the ghosts take Carol Ann, the youngest daughter. Yep. And so uh, she can still communicate with them through static on the television mm-hmm. and inconsistently yes <laughs> and so with the help of some paranormal investigators they attempt to clear the house and uh yep. get carol ann back and now you know where stranger things got even more of its yeah uh, stuff because i hadn't seen this film of course i'd mm-hmm. seen um a few of the others that stranger things was inspired by but i was like yeah right there's another one yep uh, that's fine <laughs> yeah um and also 
modern movies that I like a lot, like The Conjuring. I'm like, they obviously took a lot of the style from this, yeah. just the investigation side of it. And, it, um, and then also countless like references in pop culture. I'm yeah, guessing like they're here. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, yeah, kind of continuing on, another one of those, like, Jerry Maguire last episode, that is one Mm. of the top hundred quotes of movie history, apparently. Really? Apparently. (laughs) There you go, yeah. Because as soon as she said it, I'm like, oh, that's where that's from. That's where it's from. There we go. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I always think of uh, this house is clean, like, Ace Ventura doing that (laughs) thing, like, yeah. Oh, I need to watch that movie again. Yeah. (laughs) It's infinitely rewatchable. Oh, Ace Ventura is the best. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's... just say, like you're saying how often it's kind of influenced things mm. in day culture um, it's such a wonderful kind of moving of the torch on because Spielberg was so infatuated with the old haunted house movies like Robert Wise's The Haunting and things mm-hmm. The Uninvited and now this is kind of him doing his take on that but infused with a modern sensibility so instead yeah. of in an old castle on a hill, we're going to move it into a suburban house. Yeah, he really didn't even go to, like, spooky old, like, 1800s house. No, like bright suburban streets of new housing development. Yep. Like, everything's bright and shiny and Sun new. Sudden Valley sort of thing. What do you think of when you hear the word Sudden Valley? Salad dressing, I think. But for some reason, I don't want to eat it. Right. But Paradise Gardens. Yeah. Okay, I can, I can see marinating a chicken in that. Yeah, that's really interesting, because, um... Yeah, it puts it right into your modern day living room. Mm. Um, I guess now, I mean, a paranormal activity. Was that an apartment or a house? Yeah, that was like a unity. Because I never watched it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like you could probably have a similar modern uptake of, you know, a city like Shanghai or something like that. Just all apartments. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the grudge is kind of like that, isn't it, in a way? To some degree, yeah. It's a different sort of thing. Like the, yeah, the original. Yeah. Which they've now remade again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, yeah, no, so I just liked how they didn't muck around either. They just kind of got, like, even that first night, she's already communicating, or that first scene. Yeah. She just communicates, or talks to the television. So it's just all, immediately something's not quite right, and you know she's the little vessel to it. And it's kind of creepy the way that she's just saying, like, yes, no, mm. like, just answering questions that you yeah. don't know what it is and they're not playing any like tricks with like really crammed up cameras or like creepy string music or anything and like it's, that yeah it's played in real tight on her face and then with mm. static and then the utter confusing confusion of the family members yeah. being woken up it's a good one too because it, yeah it's not like a build of threat through the score mm. or anything like that. They're just like, this is creepy. Um, I did wonder though, like that's like the one thing in this film that has not aged at all. That I was like, you have to explain to younger generations. There was a time when television stopped at night. I know. Yeah, <laughs> they, we... used to, they used to play the star spangled banner and go to static. It actually took me half a minute to be like, uh, oh yeah, that's what's yeah, going on. That's yeah. what that's what used to happen. Yeah. They didn't have content for television always. Yeah, because that happened to a few of our cha- a couple of our just yeah. I, I used to remember the static. Yeah, it yeah. used to because when we were kids, there was maybe four or five channels. Yeah, and then, I think the government ones shut down, and the others played garbage. Yeah, in and, commercials and yeah, stuff for twenty four yeah. hours. Mm. Um, <laughs> no, I enjoyed some of that garbage, <laughs> but um, yes. So that was that was quite cool. It was, yeah, when the um, because obviously we don't get the Star Spangled Banner here. Mm. So when it played again the other night, I'm like, oh, that must have just been the, the sign-off every year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a nice structure where you start with an initial creepy scene to kind of set the tone of where we're going to go. Mm. And then we're bang into just the community suburb life. Yep. And you have, uh, I think, is it Hitchcock or Scully from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine with the keg of, like, slab of beers spilling them everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Was that... Yep. Seriously. <laughs> The one um, on the bicycle. Yeah, that's a Dirk Blocker from uh, Seriously? <laughs> Brooklyn oh, Nine-Nine. Now I'm going to have to rewatch. Just, just, yeah. <laughs> I only recognised him because um, I watched an older John Carpenter film, uh, Prince of Darkness, a couple of weeks ago, and yes. he was in that, and it's kind of around the really? same time. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's him. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't expecting to recognise anybody, but those are the sorts of actors who, mm. yeah. But then, the like... Yeah, the, the casting is fantastic, and that yeah. apparently was part of like Spielberg's approach mm. was to, if we get relatively unknown actors in there, yep. it'll help kind of 
sell the realism of it all. Yeah, yeah. Particularly like suburban, you want them to look very uh, normal. Very mm. suburban, just, you know, not Hollywood, Beverly Hills sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought the whole family did a good job. I mean, the poor older sister's just like, yeah, she's staying at a friend's again. Yeah, she's just like, which kind of works as like the it older teenager. Like. Yeah, and like... I don't know, was it, did you find a reason to why she was, was she written out of the story or was never written in in the first place? I think never really written in in the first place all that much and just kind of... She was taking up to, they had a lot, once they got the investigators in there as well, there were probably just too many bodies. Well, that was it, it's, yeah, too many people, storylines to service and, like, yeah, it just doesn't, and I mean, they get the youngest kid, Robbie, out of there, the, the, sorry, the middle child, Robbie, he goes off to stay with Grandma and... That's right. It ends up focusing, so, that's like before you get Zelda Rubenstein Mm. in... With her craziness toward yeah, the oh end. Oh my gosh, that was weird. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not expect that. Mm. But it, you're right, it does like, it is like that second night, it just amps up so hard. Oh my god, I did not expect the tree to suddenly punch through the window. <laughs> I mean, you have that wonderful uh, scene where she comes into the bedroom and like, it's, I think during the lightning storm or whatever, and uh, she starts communicating and the kind of ghostly hand comes out. Yes. And it's beautifully scored with the Jerry Goldsmith m- music. Mm. And just, you're like, okay, it's on now. <laughs> yeah. Immediately, like, no, there's, there's something happening. There's, there's some mm. CG. Oh, what, what effect was that? Uh, it's like almost that, uh, it's like animating over, like, the yeah. rotoscoping animation, because it kind of looks like... It's like the Ghostbusters, similar technology, isn't it? Well, it's more close to, like, the initial stuff where it's, like, looking like the mist coming out of the TV. It's closer to, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, it's oh, actual yeah, animation okay. stuff over it. Yeah, and then, cool. But then it definitely shifts into, like, uh, Ghostbusters optical effects and yes. stuff. Yeah. Like, Mm. But oh god, I forgot we uh, before the night with the tree. It's the uh, sliding of the chairs. Oh yeah, like just simple practical effects. Yep, that was awesome. <laughs> I loved how <laughs> I loved how the father came home from work, and it, I've forgotten the characters' names because they were just so Steve, Stephen and Diane. Yeah, they were just so average, Joe. Yeah. Um, so Diane's in the kitchen, super excited about these moving chairs. Mm. Um, she's like mapped out their paths on the floor with tape and then uh, and then she <laughs> takes Carol Ann and puts a helmet on it <laughs> the football helmet yeah, yeah. I loved it uh, <laughs> but then that scene has the weirdest jump cut in like ever we re we had to rewind <laughs> yeah. like who edited that <laughs> so we thought the de- we thought the blu-ray was not working we're like I, oh we're gonna have to take it out and clean it I had the exact same thing uh, apparently it is like a jump cut in quotes uh, from the scene because <laughs> <laughs> the scene um, it ends mid sentence because um, there was an original scene there where Stephen ends up talking about like it's like blah 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 din- like something about dinner and like oh no we'll just get something quick we'll get Pizza yeah. Hut and him being like I hate Pizza Hut and Pizza Hut was real upset about that <laughs> so they just chucked him mid sentence because they got no other way to cut around no that, apparently. <laughs> Oh yeah, we we genuinely rewound. Yeah, what's going on? And I was what looking at the timer. I'm like, does it jump? I'm like, yeah. nope. This is like I, I'll lay in the scene now, and I I have not done anything. This is the actual audio here of how the cut cut happens. It's like there's this tickling, you know, right in here, and and it starts to pull you. The tickling pulls you, and all of a sudden it's like there's no air except that you can breathe, and and you're getting pulled along. And then maybe oh. hi Ben. Oh, Mr. Tony. Hi. Look, my TV's not on. Oh, it is weird. Anyway, and the weird thing I'm is glad that was meant to happen. It's Michael Kahn who was like Spielberg's editor, like you know, did Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, like you know, he's obviously I mean, nothing he could do about it. <laughs> he's just like, oh, this is what we've got. Where would you like to chop it? <laughs> yeah. Here or here? Neither works. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working with what I got here, yeah. but and I guarantee Spielberg blamed that on Toby Hooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't his fault. Mm. But um, yeah, it is. It, that's that's the scene where I like this movie's really starting to cook. Is yeah. it's just that simple. The chair being pulled, out, the chair's being pulled out, and mm-hmm. it's on that one shot. Follows her into the kitchen. Yeah, and then pans back, and, and they're just stacked on the table. So simple and so effective. Yeah, I was trying to like feel like how would they do that because I knew something was going to change. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, however they shot it, whatever little movie trick they I used. I think it was just PA or like crew people pulling the chairs out and then they had them all like glued together to kind a of... A glued just, stack to quickly run in and... And put it on the table there. And it's just, yeah. it's so simple and works Works so beautifully. Well. Yeah. 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 You don't need CGI. <laughs> no, you, you don't. Which is kind of proven later when they open the bedroom and it's the really dodgy opticals of like the lamp turning on. And oh, that's stuff. right. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it does... Like you were saying, it moves at a quick pace, but that's like... We're saying this, and it's like ten minutes in, all of this has yeah. happened. And then the pacing for the rest of the film is great. Mm. Like That's what I really liked about it, is um, it just gets the storyline going, mm-hmm. and then it just just keeps going at a really good speed. You don't you don't get restless or bored. Yeah. Um, they just show little bits at a time, and it's always something different. Mm. And it, they cleverly, Spielberg gives you enough... Um, motivation to keep the story moving beyond we have ghosts yes and we need to get rid of the ghosts by making the peril about carol ann and trying yes. to get her yes. back there's like a tangible reason for why we're doing what we're doing exactly there are stakes mm. and the stakes are the daughter's gonna be consumed by some evil spirit basically. the beast the beast apparently. yeah yeah um, which is my one quibble with the storyline i know they never really gave it a, it's just like there's there's a demigorgon behind the wall. Yeah, essentially. It, there's, a, there's a boogan back there. Yeah. <laughs> to give it a modern twist. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, and it, it was on, that's where I really clicked with the Stranger Things thing. I'm mm. like, oh, that, that scene where she was basically like, run away from the light. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, get away from the beast kind of thing. Yes. Um, and then even down to the point of having to go into that realm with like a rope tied around her. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, wow. Okay. Mm. But... Um, Yes, exactly. Having a reason rather than like, oh, our house is haunted. Yeah. It's like, no, our daughter's gone as well. Mm, yes, that's it. Or <laughs> this is all we actually care about. Yeah, which is kind of what the con- like the conjuring kind of works to do, where it's like it's about the possession of a specific person yes. or the haunting of a specific person, not just, not just hey, they're here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We could just leave. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it that's... works. It works obviously in The Exorcist as well. Mm. That's always the yeah. wonderful... Th- yeah, you just leave. Yeah. <laughs> They've established stakes where they can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and then the second they get the opportunity to, they do, it, like, in the third act, which I love. Although, we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel they could have left earlier. <laughs> yeah, true. But, like, you know, they did need to pack up all this. Yeah, yeah they did. <laughs> but I do like the issue. And it's like, yes. Yes, we're going. <laughs> Ghosts are real. They tried to murder us. <laughs> We're leaving. Let's get out. <laughs> I don't care about my job that much. <laughs> oh, before I forget, how creepy are the pool digging guys? Oh, yeah. Like, like I don't know what the early 80s were like, but... She's, like, literally in, like, a Catholic she, school outfit and things as she's well. She's a high school student, and these, like, builders are, like, to her face. Yeah. In her own backyard. With her mother watching. <laughs> yeah, I was like... Jeez, alright. It's, I, like, the thing about that scene, like, ending with then Jo Beth Williams being, like, proud of her daughter for, like, flipping them off. I'm like, yeah. that's nice, but also, you're firing them today, right? Yeah, I hope you're not paying them. <laughs> and then later that day, he's, like, poked his head in the window, is eating her, like, meat sauce and the, the yeah. bolognese on the stove. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was trying to say or do there at all. <laughs> like, it's like, don't trust laborers. I get... <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> and it's it's such a. I thought you were just going to mention having the pool in general as like oh, a I kind know, of yeah. MacGuffin set piece. Like it's there for the sake of set piece. Oh, that set piece was awesome. Oh, with all the skeletons and oh. stuff. Um, I loved it. They were real skeletons. What? Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently it was cheaper to get real dead bodies than actually, to make actually fake true. ones. Um, and they didn't tell Joe Beth Williams until afterwards. Oh, so she's in the soupy mud water with a bunch of dead bodies. So context, everybody. At the end, um, in the third act, mm. when they should have left already, they decide to have a nap in the house. Well, she has a bath in what is clearly under like a weird heat lamp light. Yeah, yeah. A very interesting seventies, eighties bathroom going on. Yep. Um, and then once again. The spirits haven't... The house isn't truly clean. Yeah. And somehow she goes from trying to get in the bedroom door on the top floor to outside and locked out of her own house. 
Yeah, how does that happen? She gets electrocuted down the stairs eventually. That's right, yeah. And then so she can't go back up the stairs, and then she's running around outside, and then she slips into the pool. She's going to get the neighbours to help her. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's just getting, like, expelled from her own house. Yeah, so then the 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 bees can devour the children, I guess. Yeah. And then um, the pool is dug, but it doesn't have concrete, so it's just a muddy hole. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know if that's how you build a pool, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like uh, initially, yeah, you got to yes, start with a hole. I do, don't you? Like, it, it would turn into a slop heap very quickly. Yeah. Um, and so she tumbles down into it, and then skeletons start rising because yeah. this place is, of course, built in a graveyard. And but like even the awesomeness of like coffins like coming up through the ground yeah, and opening it's like like, a, like an old like ghost house ghost yeah, train. Literally just about to say that. Yeah, it pops open like bah. Yeah, th- that, <laughs> at that point it's really like Spielberg like reveling in spooky fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it felt very Indiana Jones to me. Exactly. Because the music isn't actually that spooky. No, it's not. It's kind of just weird bombastic. It is. It's like, like adventure music. <laughs> it's um the same guy Jerry Goldsmith who did mm. the score for like Alien, which is very ah, atmospheric. Yes. And th- I guess that's why they hired him. But then you get Spielberg being like, "No, we want to have fun with this. We're I not know. actually trying it to." Didn't quite feel right yeah. sometimes. It, it does. The whole movie is essentially like. The, like the little twelve-year-old boy trying to freak out his friends, like with yeah. gross and creepiness. That's yeah. like with the guy pulling off the face oh, and stuff. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that in a second too. Um, we're gonna to keep talking that final set piece because we're on a roll. Yeah, <laughs> I just loved how it kept moving. So she went back into the kitchen, and mm-hmm. then where the chairs had been moving, two coffins like spring out of the floor, like all mm. these places where these um, encounters had taken place. So just more skeletons popping out from everywhere. Yeah. And then even the one that just gets, like, fired out of the garage at the end. <laughs> just launched at the front of the car. The they're best. in the car. They're trying to start and reverse. And then yeah. all of a sudden, this one that's, like, springs up through the collapsing garage and just shoots through and hits the windshield of the car. And, and I love how, like, he backs out and, like, oh, that's... And, yeah, you have Craig T. Nelson's best line delivery ever to his boss oh, when he realizes yes. what's happened. <laughs> son of a bitch, you moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch, you left the bodies and you only moved the headstones! You only moved the headstones! <laughs> and then he like doesn't give it like does not care at all, like reverses out, smashes his car. Yeah. And then the daughter showing up with the, the second best line reading of the film where she just screams. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> For a minute there, they didn't actually show her getting into the car. Yeah. Well, I guess they still go with them. I guess. <laughs> that was like, you're taking too long, Zoom. Bye. <laughs> and then I just love the final... Just imploding in on itself yep. into a black hole. And it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the neighbourhood's sort of okay, yep. for now at least. Yeah. But I guess. I don't, I'd imagine the others are moving out pretty soon. For a minute there, I was wondering if that's where your body count question was going to pop in. <laughs> like, what is the body count? The entire town except for them. Yeah, pretty much because they were smart enough to be like, huh. Let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but I, do, I totally forgot that that's where this film ended with the house imploding in on itself mm. in the brilliant effect. Yeah. Because I always remember that from a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Yes, I think that's what I know. And there's a great South Park episode that has it as well. Of course. <laughs> Other kind of fun set pieces you have, like the paranormal investigators and things. Yes. Uh, who are just the worst at their job. What a... I mean, I guess that's why they don't have real science degrees, or they, like, they're not on like real PhDs. Why is the one who is actually a PhD asleep? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Instead of actually... Like Given this, what she'd seen earlier that day... That's it. They've <laughs> genuinely seen spirits. Yeah. For the first time ever. And it's so good because he's so amped about talking about seeing, like, a match car, uh, match car box... Like, sorry, match car... Go. Matchbox car. Thank you. <laughs> I got it. I was just brain broken then for a second. Uh, wheeling across the room. And, and he, it took six hours, I think. So yeah. he caught it, like, on a camera. Yes, Ryan photographed an extraordinary episode on a case in Redlands. That's right. It was a child's toy. A very small matchbox vehicle just rolled seven feet across a linoleum surface. The duration of the event was seven hours. Of course, this would never register on the naked eye. But I have it recorded on time-lapse camera. It's fantastic. And that was his biggest achievement thus far. And so excited about it. And as soon as they get there, a chair just moves across the room. And then they open up the bedroom door and it's like all hell is broken loose. Yep, there's stuff spinning around and... I'd not be sleeping for weeks. <laughs> no, I would be awake. This yeah. is your chance. But it's like... She's got his... 
Walkman on. <laughs> That's what annoyed me the most. It's like a the um the other like the nerdy glasses stereotype mm. guy being like, "Hey, I'm gonna go and get some food." Like, yeah, uh, that I understand. How yeah. he how he conducts himself in their kitchen, I don't agree with. <laughs> pulls a steak out of the freezer. What are you doing? Like, why is he cooking this? There's a steak? no quiet way to cook a steak when a family's sleeping in the next room. No, I did love the effect of the steak crawling on the bench. Awesome though, right? Oh, yeah, that, that was done with like puppet rods, I believe, ah, cool. all practical, and then like it exploding guts out. That was unexpected and awesome. Yeah, and then the chicken with the maggots and yep. stuff, like so great. And then when he went into the at Butler's bathroom. Yeah, yeah the laundry, the laundry closet, closet or whatever. Thing. Yeah, yep. and he turns in like all of a sudden he's turned into a dummy. <laughs> like, it was pretty obvious, wasn't it? Like yeah. he looks at himself and he starts going, "Oh, something's not quite right." He has like a little scratch or something, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and then it cuts back to him, and then it cuts back to the mirror, and then these hands are just not in the right place anymore. You're like, "Oh, that's a dummy." Just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like mm, mutilating the face. It was it's a um, well-made dummy. It's actually Steven Spielberg's hands. Okay. doing that like yeah that's that's where I get the sense of he's just having fun yeah. like doing weird gross spooky stuff yeah. like like Raiders of Lost Ark like yes. spiders snakes bugs uh, faces melting yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah and then I'm like oh wow someone did die and then it's he, all just it's all... ghosty illusions yeah. Um, but yeah that other guy just sitting there while he should be monitoring mm. listening to his Walkman while drawing a sketch of what ends up being the scene, essentially. Like, yeah, the staircase with ghosts coming down. That's right. But I love that scene when it's when the spectral the, stuff coming. Yeah, you just get the light and then they watch it back on the camera. And they're all, like, just different varieties of mm. kind of... You can make out human figures. Yeah, there's multiple different human figures. And you're but like, ah. Oh. Yeah. It's where you get the actual, like, the Spielberg shot where it's, like, people looking up in awe while a light shines yes. on their face. <laughs> yeah. And you slow camera push in. Yeah, and down the stairs come the spirits. Yeah. And, yep. But it is, it's so nice because you just think it's this weird little glow and then watching the video feedback, you're like, oh, there's lots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. I'm like, oh, here comes the spiritual presence. I'm like, oh, that's like a whole, like, there's more than one ghost here. Yeah, it, it kind of adds this interesting kind of, you don't, you think you know what's going on, but you kind mm. of don't And yet. particularly because they're not, none of them appear malevolent at all. Mm. They're just spirits there. So yeah. you still don't really know, like, oh, this is a house of evil. But they've taken Carol Ann or, but, yep. but that's when it gets really, from that point on, when it, like, you know, it, it seems really mm. bizarre. There's some negative force here. We need to bring in a medium. Mm-hmm. Enter Zelda Rubenstein. Oh, my gosh. Do you mind hanging back? You're jamming the frequencies. She's <laughs> like a crazy Father Merrick. Yeah, it's it's weird, right? Oh, the moment she entered, I was like, what? I, huh? Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a character, I would yeah. say. Um, just from the, the the voice and just everything. Um, mm-hmm. The ultimate southern voice. The southern and, voice. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it's... It, it, I don't know if it's because the explanation is coming from her or the explanation itself, but it's where the film kind of loses me a little bit when it's the yeah. discussion of all of these spectres and ghosts are trying to move on but there's something holding them back. A terrible presence is in there with her. So much rage, so much betrayal. I've never sensed anything like it. I don't know what hovers over this house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take your dog away from you. It keeps Caroline very close to it. And away from the spectral light, it lies to her. It says things only a child can understand. It has been using her to restrain the others. To her, it simply is another child. To us, it is the beast. To be honest, I tuned out. Yeah, 
like I kind of stopped listening in that part because I didn't care that much. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know if it is because I can't help you describe this because I don't know. I, I, I literally I, I, watched it two days ago, yeah. and I think even yesterday, and I cannot remember. Yeah, when. and I follow films well yeah. usually, um, and this is not a hard film to follow. I had to I turn on subtitles because she was talking so <laughs> softly. Yes, that's part of the problem, isn't yeah. it? The way she talks isn't easy to follow. Her performance is great. Yeah, but it's it consistent is, and it's good. I don't know if it is because at that point it's like it, you don't need to bring in no, plot at no. this point. Or maybe just like the barest minimum. Just just enough yeah. to go, there are some spirits that are malevolent. Yeah. Or something. Something like that. Just real base, but they just he muddies the waters so much. Yeah, because she seems to suddenly know everything mm. about spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Except, uh, like, I do love that one little moment where she's going to go in and... What do you think you're doing? I'm going in after her! Won't come to you! Let me go! You've never done this before! Neither have you! You're right, you go! Oh, I know, that was nice. There were some good comedic touches, actually. Yeah, which is, like, that's, like, the real Spielberg-y kind of flair there, so... Yeah, I like that was fun and that was, like, consistent with the character of the film and, like, Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. This, She's this... not a superhero. <laughs> no. <laughs> she is just a regular kind of person. Oh, and in that scene where um, Diane goes through the portal, mm-hmm. how much red goop did they cover her in? Yeah, and uh, it's so weird that, like, the explanation is to put them in a bath. Yeah, uh, yeah I know. Wh- why? Um, um, so the actors can be goop-free when they finish Yeah, that's the scene. it. Yeah, so they, can, <laughs> they weren't goop-free. Yeah, it's um, odd. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is it just Spielberg kind of not having an idea of set pieces and things he wants to do without actually like having the nitty gritty like it's why Close Encounters is so perfect to me it's because it's never really explained because at no point do we have someone who knows what the hell is going on no which suits because yeah why should they it works so well I will concede it is a little too long but and it takes its time getting there mm. but that's what he kind of needed with Poltergeist by bringing in the experts here to try and explain to the audience what's happening. Yep. We don't need it. No, in hindsight, it would have done better without as much of a description. Mm. And I'm not even saying like change the set pieces, like keep them all the same even, even the rescuing and everything. Just cut out that monologue. Drop drop that little bit of explanation and just, just say, you know, the little bit we know is that some spirits are evil and spirits, we know that spirits need to pass on and some get blocked or something. Yeah. And that's why I loved, actually, at the end of that scene, when, you know, they've rescued Carol Ann and Mm. Diana back through that portal, and she so triumphantly says that she's cleared the house. This house is clean. And you're like, you you didn't do anything. Like... You provided advice. And... Are you sure they're gone? Yeah, because um, it turns you out... You didn't actually do anything. <laughs> no, it turns out you were wrong. Yeah. You, you, you didn't even after rescuing the people... Like, all you did was rescue the people. You didn't then proceed to... Exercise the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle some holy water on it or... Do anything. You just <laughs> patted yourself on the back and, and walked out. Out of here. That'll be $100,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, and then yes, yeah, so my... my yeah, like you said, the next day they're just like, we are leaving. Yeah. And then my only issue is that it's like, he's like, yeah, I just got to go to the office, tidy some stuff up. Um, and she's like, yeah. Cut but- to 10 o'clock at night. I know. Like, how long? I know you got to quit your job, but you're desperate to flee this haunted house and you've let your kids sleep in it again in the same room. Go to the motel first, then go back to the office. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, if your stuff gets consumed by a portal, that's fine. Mm. Um why would you put your kids back in the same room? I don't know. And we all know that if we were kids, we would not go back in that room. Yeah, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my only little qualm. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. But you knew something else had to happen, and it was a great Because you look at the runtime and you're like, we've still got another 30 minutes to go. Something's coming. <laughs> yeah, and that, that I did love that final set piece. Like, mm. it was just awesome. Um, the bit where she, um, Diane's like, you know, up the wall and across the ceiling and stuff. The, the good old rotating set. Yeah, yeah. so good. Mm. Um, and then, um, is that when the practical, like, the weird Sesame Street Muppet thing won't let her get into the room with the kids? Like, the weird yes, optical... that white thing in the uh, doorway. Yep. I love that 80s effect so much. Yeah, that's right. So she goes to get the doorway and that 
Muppet thing won't let them in. And yeah. then she stumbles back into the staircase for some reason, I think. Mm. And it electrocutes her down the staircase. That's and then she can't go back up. Yeah. And then she goes outside and then she just somehow ends up in the pool in this muddy, goopy mm. water. And and then is back inside somehow. But yeah. yeah, she comes back outside <laughs> and the two kids are just like being dragged. They're grabbing onto the bedheads. That's right. And it's the wonderful wind machine effects. Yeah. And, and yeah. so that's the scene I, I knew I'd seen some of. And that's when I knew that the house... Like I told you before watching the film, um, I knew that the house got crumbled down to the ground or something to that yeah. effect. Because yeah. I remember her saving the children. I don't know why I'd seen the final scene. Maybe Getting it was on, maybe it's a bit of it on like a top 10 best 80s movies mm. or horror movies or, or show or something like that. Or flipping channels one night or something, stumbled across it and yeah. didn't know what it... Yeah. Just one of those sorts of things. Mm. Um, but um, yeah. performances in the film... Um, mm. The one thing I do love is that it's uh, Joe Beth Williams, Diane, the mum, yep. as the protagonist. Yes. And it's, like, essentially her. And at this point, I mean, Craig T. Nelson is probably the biggest star. But Who's anyone I'd heard of? Um, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Incredible himself. Yes. <laughs> um, and I thought, like, as a... He was a good supporting husband. Like, yeah. He was on board. There was no scepticism. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just one of those, like, cliched, like, I don't believe you, you're crazy... Um, they're like, no, here, have a look at the slidey stuff. And he took it seriously straight away. They, he works so well to establish their relationship. I love them as a couple. Just getting stoned at night and dancing in the bed. And making each other laugh and seem yeah. to genuinely like each other. Yeah, you're lot. like, okay, the parents like each other. That's usually a good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. very anti-Spielberg because he's normally like, he's never gotten over his parents' divorce mm. and it's yeah. always that. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't just go robotic nuclear family. Yeah. They could have just gone... Off to school, off to work. Yeah, or focused on the kids or whatever. Or But having that little scene of them actually yeah. seeming to be a loving family that likes spending time together, it's yeah. lovely. And, like, the, the, the siblings, like, annoy each other, but they clearly don't dislike each other. That breakfast scene, they're, like, teasing and flicking cereal and stuff, but everyone's laughing and having fun. Yeah, you know there's not, like, ones being, like... Not like Home Alone, where, um... Where there's a Biff bully... <laughs> Buzz, buzz. That's right, and and little uh, Kieran Culkin is fuller and things. Jeez, (laughs) talk about dysfunctional family. Yeah, they're not that family. No. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, you got the uh, the sense that the family from top down all actually like cared for each other and got along. Hmm. But um, yeah, I I love her performance. I've been a huge fan of her for quite a while. Um, this is really like. Before this, I knew her from, like, in her career as well, like, I should say. Uh, this is maybe two or three years after. She has a role in Kramer versus Kramer. I've seen that, yeah, actually. She... And that, I remember really enjoying it. I, I, I she, really did that. Is she one of the Kramers? No, that's uh, Meryl Streep and oh, Dustin that's what Hoffman. I thought. Yeah, okay. Uh, but she plays the uh, colleague who hasn't, like, sleeps with Dustin Hoffman and stuff, and the kid runs into, like, in oh, the hallway and stuff. Right, like, yes. Yeah, like the work colleague. <laughs> is and, that her? Yeah. Hi. What's your name? I'm Phyllis Barnett. Who? I'm a friend, a business associate of your father's dad. Oh, jeez. Do you like fried chicken? Fried chicken, very much. And then I think like a year or two after this was the big chill and she kind of... This was the film that really kind of put her on the map. Yep. And I've always thought she was a really solid actress. Mm. Never kind of broke through into that real mainstreamy kind of. Did any of the kids go on to do anything? No. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that. Oh no. Uh, well, no. Screw. We'll get into it. Oh, yeah, Craig yeah. T. Nelson's great. Yeah, <laughs> he's believable. He's fine. Yeah, no, he does a good job. Um, there is a giant thing with this film that it is considered cursed. Oh. Uh, with this series, where because uh, in the span of uh, the making of like. This one and the subsequent sequels, all uh, there were a lot of deaths around oh. people, cast and crew that made them. Uh, okay. Beginning with uh, Dominique Dunn, who played the oldest daughter. Yep. Um, she was uh, murdered before the film was released. What? Um, her abusive boyfriend strangled her to death in her driveway. Oh my gosh. Um, and then the other big one is Heather O'Rourke, who played Carol Ann yeah. and was in all the subsequent sequels. Um, she became violently ill while shooting Poltergeist 3, and they thought it might have been a possible strain of uh, Crohn's virus. Oh, yeah. Uh, it turns out she uh, got septicemia from a bowel obstruction. Oh, no. And died at 12. You serious? Yeah. So. Oh. 
Bummer. Everybody, sorry, everybody. Oh, but, sorry, everyone. Yeah, so that's why you haven't seen them. <laughs> okay. And oh. then a bunch of other people who were involved in the sequels kind of died within... In odd circumstances and things. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, because it's about ghosts. It's cr-. like, no, no shut up. Just You're disrespecting awful. these people. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, awful luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so that's, yeah. But uh, they're all fantastic. Like, obviously, yeah. Carol Ann, uh, Heather O'Rourke. Oh, no, we haven't even spoken about it. Um, she she just did the, it role well. Yeah. yeah. Perfect for it. Like, she's, the thing is, she's not in it nearly as much as I remembered. No, she's not in it much at all. Yeah. Um, she just kind of. She just disappears through a portal. Yeah. And then um, she's just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I will say though, uh, Beatrice Strait as um, the Doctor Lesh. Yeah, she was good. Mm. She, mm. Um, uh, I think she holds the record for winning an Oscar for the least amount of screen time in network. Oh, really? Well, that could be Ned Beatty, her co-star. Um, All I remember you know. is it um, Hannibal Lecter. Oh yeah. I remember he has some form of um, Anthony Hopkins has a record for. I think that's for lead actor. Yeah, for, yeah. For best she actor. won supporting in '76 yeah. for the network. So yeah. at this time, she was obviously the biggest star in this film. And yeah. watching it now, you're like, who is that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I didn't recognise her. She mm. was just good. Yeah, leader of the nerds. Yes. Um, Did this film inspire Ghostbusters at all? No. Okay. The, the Ghostbusters was inspired by Dan Aykroyd crazy. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> that's that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Toned down by Ivan Reitman and Hal Bray. Yeah, just like just take a, take a just pill. Chill out, buddy. <laughs> yeah, balanced out to yeah yeah. Be what it is. Um, but I mean, was there any other scenes or moments or performances you want to highlight before I get into the whole? I think we've done pretty well nailing all like the the keys and the favorites. I guess. Um, just like the the graveyard reveal like when the dad um they, they're off gonna they're talking about the next expansion for yeah. let's call it southern valley that wonderful um, scene up on the hill that is yeah the most spielberg scene ever because it's all done in a one shot with different fret like the actors yeah. moving within the frame to get different staging like it's yeah it's one of those short short one shots yeah it's like maybe two to three minutes but there's like four or five different compositions and mm. shots they're created from the one shot like yep. very what Spielberg does best and then it turns out they're talking in front of a graveyard the whole time mm-hmm. yeah. and that wonderful ILM like matte painting yes I know <laughs> yeah look great yeah <laughs> mm. um, but no that was just another yeah filmmaking touch that just um, you know it's, it's one of the well, one of the only scenes set away from the house yeah, that's a good point it is all really in that Everything house or street. Like yeah. otherwise, like the furthest they get from it is the bottom of the street when um, dirt well, blockers are riding up pretty yeah. much. Or the university when they're oh, yeah. first meeting with Doctor Lesh. One internal scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's that's I hadn't even thought of that. That's no. kind of crazy. Yeah. You could do this as a stage play. <laughs> oh my gosh! Imagine that. There we go. <laughs> yep. I don't know who'd show up, but um, that could be our thing. Mm. Um, all right, so I'll move into the whole massive controversy over who actually directed this. Film. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as I'd mentioned, Toby Hooper um, was... Spielberg approached Toby Hooper because mm. he was such a big fan of Texas Chainsaw. And at that time, uh, Spielberg was developing a script for a movie um, written by John Sayles, um, who was a classic writer-director. You can actually find this script online. It was called Night Skies. Yep. And it was about a small farmhouse that is terrorized by a group of grey aliens, essentially. Cool. Yep. Um, where there's like five or six of them and one of them was a kind malevolent kind of derpy one mm-hmm. and there was like the leader of the gang called I think like Scar or Stripe or something yep. which he then co-opted and used in Gremlins, Gremlins yeah yep. <laughs> so basically yeah and it was this small farmhouse with fighting off these aliens and this young yep. child befriends one of them who helps <laughs> him fight back and he gets him back to his spaceship oh You're starting to see where this is going yes interesting <laughs> um Toby Hooper was not interested in doing that. Yeah. And so Spielberg scrapped that script. You can actually read it online. It's super interesting. And cool. you can see um, models were actually made by, I want to say, Stan Winston, maybe, of what the aliens would look like and things. Yep. Um, that's how even far it went. Uh, but then he kind of took elements of his, like, to create gremlins and the big one being E.T. Yep. And so then instead, him and Toby Hooper started saying, like, oh, it'd be fun to make a ghost movie. Yep. Spielberg wrote the story for Poltergeist, Mm -hmm. um, gave it to two other writers who developed the screenplay. He didn't like that. Then he rewrote it himself again. Yep. Um, And so he was like, yep, let's do this. And he's like, I want to make this. I'm having fun here. Oh, he was under contract for Universal, 
because he was in pre-production for E.T. Spielberg was? Yes. And okay. part of the contract with Universal was he was not allowed to direct another film while he was under contract to make that for uh-huh. Universal. So he said, I'll hire Toby Hooper to do this yep. and I will produce in air quotes. Uh-huh. I'll just be on set every day. Uh, all but two, apparently. Okay. And he did drew all the storyboards oh wow wrote the script it's got an involved producer um yeah so <laughs> okay and this is uh, some quotes I have from Spielberg when he was interviewed on uh, television about it mm-hmm. uh, leading up to the film's release uh, he said Toby isn't a take, cho- uh, take charge sort of guy if a question was asked and an answer wasn't immediately forthcoming I'd jump in and say what we could do Toby would nod in agreement and that became the process of our collaboration. <laughs> uh, co-producer Frank Marshall spoke out to the press and claimed that the creative force of the movie was Stephen. Uh, Toby was a director and he was on set every day, but Stephen did the, the design of every storyboard and was only absent for two days during the shooting because he was in Hawaii with George Lucas. <laughs> uh, Hooper later claimed that he did half the storyboards and Spielberg ended up sending a letter to Hooper, which he actually published in uh, Variety, to make it very public. Yep. Um, saying, regrettably, some of the press has misunderstood the rather unique creative relationship you and I shared throughout the making of Poltergeist. I enjoyed your openness in allowing me, as a writer and a producer, a wide berth of creative involvement, just as I know you were happy with the freedom you had to direct Poltergeist so wonderfully. Through the screenplay, you accepted a vision of this very intense movie from start, and as a director, you delivered the goods. You performed responsibly and professionally throughout, and I wish you great success on your next project. It seems very odd at the end. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, Zelda Rubenstein, who uh, played the medium, I'm blanking on her name, Uh, she disagreed and said while Hooper set up shots, Spielberg would then come and make adjustments and move the cameras. Oh, dear. (laughs) And uh, in regards to uh, her audition, she said uh, he was only partially there and it was Spielberg who did all the casting and all of that. Yeah. Um, all of this led to a uh, the Directors Guild actually doing an open investigation wow. on the film and whether or not Spielberg should be given a co-director credit, which would then get him in a whole lot of trouble with universal yes. and things. Yep. Um, but yeah, so it's still to this day, it is unclear who... Truly directed it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, Toby Hooper passed away two or three years ago, so oh. it's like, it will never... No, I can't. Kind of yep. come out. No. But it's very clearly a Spielberg film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it has that feeling the whole way through. Yeah. Yep. So, that's that's all that. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I tried to look around to try and find some Spielberg quotes and things, but yep. it's kind of scrubbed from the internet yeah, for the most sort of part. got his big letter out there. and You kind of can't really find much else beyond... Plus, he's got enough other stuff to talk about. Exactly. <laughs> um, do you want to hear some alternate casting? Mm, yeah. Uh, so Drew Barrymore was considered for the role of Carol Ann. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. But the director wanted someone more angelic for the role. Yeah, Carol Ann was a very good look for the role. Mm. Uh, but it was Barrymore's audition for Poltergeist that led her to being cast as Gertie in E.T. Wow, mm. okay. <laughs> uh, Shirley MacLaine was offered a starring part in the film, I'm assuming as Dr. Lesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But she had to turn it down because she was uh, making Terms of Endearment, which won her the Academy Award. Wow, so, okay, so some some people did quite well out of being rejected. Yeah, or like turning or, it down, Yeah. Or, yep. Um And the other one was Joe Spano was originally cast as uh, Stephen, the dad, Mm -hmm. but uh, he was starring in the TV series Hill Street Blues at the time. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, series creator Stephen Bochco wouldn't let him out of his contract to go to it. Kind of similar to Tom Selleck, Indiana Jones thing. Of course, yes. I always forget about that one. Yeah, that would have been weird. Different. Yeah, Magnum P.I. is indie. I mean, it probably would have worked for a lot of them, but it would have been very different. Mm. Um... But yeah, do you want to hear a little bit about how the film went? Yes. Uh, so the film had a budget of uh, $10.7 million. Okay. And it went on to gross uh, $121.7 million at the worldwide box yeah, office. Yeah, okay. All right. So $111 million profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, adjusted for inflation, that's roughly $231 million. Yeah, that's a success. Uh, it was the seventh highest grossing film of 1982. Coming in behind previous films that we've done, uh, First Blood at number five, and E.T. at number one. Mm, yeah. This came out a week before E.T. did. Oh, wow. In the okay. cinema. Yep. Uh, but it did beat The Dark Crystal, which was number 18. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for three Academy Awards, Best Visual Effects, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Original Score, mm-hmm. all of which it lost to E.T. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it won a BAFTA for Best Visual Effects and three Saturn Awards for Best Horror Film, Best Supporting Actress for Zelda Rubenstein, and yep. Best Makeup. Yeah, mm. okay. Best Makeup. Tearing off the... Oh, yeah. I think, one. I guess they thought oh, yeah. that was makeup. I mean, it's... Yeah. I know they did put that silk, like grey streak in her hair when she got scared. I know, so, yeah, those yep. that, you could literally see it glued to the side of her head. <laughs> they tried. They did their best. They only they had got, ten point seven million dollars to work. They with. got an award for it too. Yep. Um, but I yeah. guess, yeah. The big question: Did you like the film? I did. I did enjoy it actually, because I, I know you'd said um, it'd be interesting to see how it goes because it's you know it's not ET or something like that. But. Yep. Um, no, it was it was enjoyable um, and executed well and a good length and everything. I could comfortably watch it again, mm-hmm. um, which is always a good sign. And because sometimes I walk out of the, I, you know, after watching these films, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to watch it again anytime soon. But I've I, seen that now. I can yeah, tick. I can tick it off. Uh, but I could watch that again very mm. easily. And um, I think that speaks to the Spielberg of it all. He I just so. makes very watchable. He does. Films. Yeah, the movies you can just put on again mm. um, because it's. You know, it's kind of child-friendly, so it's built to be entertaining, mm. but with sort of an adult level of story, in, in, or in a way. Anyway, mm. uh, but yeah, as a result, as a kid, I would have, um, yeah, I think I would have really enjoyed that. Would have creeped me out a bit more. Yeah, but uh, I think I think the ghosts and the supernatural and all that sort of stuff, and the way it's told. Yeah, were you a kid that was like interested in ghosts and UFOs and all that paranormal? Yeah, stuff? I was a bit. Yeah, mm. I used to always like, um, like, muck around with like magic tricks illusions yeah. Michael um, yeah that sort of mm. stuff so um, any of that sort of stuff and um, like Area 51 of course and yeah all every things. kid's interested in that oh, yeah, yeah. Um, on the note of that being, this film being very kind of kid friendly like you know aimed at kids and things mm. um, it's rated PG in the US um, it apparently got an R rating initially and they managed to talk it down to a PG um, yeah. because PG, PG-13 did not exist at the time yeah because it's not an R it's not an R but it's it's. De- I think it is cited as one of the films that helped to the creation of PG-13 yeah, I think that's probably, probably it was reasonable like this Gremlins and I think um, uh, Temple of Doom as well is a big one yeah because that's like just just face melting and ripping faces off it's like a little bit too much for a PG yeah like you gotta have a bit of a guidance line somewhere so apparently when this film was going into cinemas there was like a caution warning of uh, not recommended for children under the age of 10 okay so they actually sort of created their own guideline (laughs) yeah like you know just ease up here this is not for you know don't take your five year old to this it's like the the age recommendations on a lego box yeah exactly yeah exactly (laughs) you don't need to stick to them no (laughs) this is the recommendation Hmm. (laughs) um but i guess that'll probably wrap us up for poltergeist yep no um that that sums it all up i think Mm -hmm. get out there and watch it anyone and anyone who hasn't watched it in a while i think it holds up well it does i think yeah for a movie that's 30 eight years old or whatever. Yeah, nearly 40 years old. It's yeah. kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Apart from, you know, obviously the visual effects have come a bit of way, but they use practical effects but really well. Every practical effect, apart from possibly that dummy head, is great. Yeah. Like all the just... matte paintings, the the optical work. It is when it gets to that real, like the light bulb spinning on inside the lamp and stuff. That's where yep. it's a little bit... Yeah. You see the black lines. Yeah, stuff. there's a couple of black lines. Yeah. It gets into like cats territory with the effects. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess yeah, that'll wrap us up for Poltergeist. Uh, what do we have in store for next episode, Eric? Yeah, so um, we sort of picked this one in advance actually because um, Valentine's Day is coming up, <laughs> so it's time for When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, I, I'm a big, big fan of this film. I yeah, watch it. Probably at least once a year for some reason. Really? It's just become one... Just, you I do. think the older I get, the more I'm just like, this is just a nice movie. Yeah, it, <laughs> and it, I think it's funny, like, I, you know, growing up I watched, you you know, because my family watched Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got mm-hmm. Mail, and I'm picturing it being one, of, like, that same vein of movie. Those films also <laughs> written by Nora Ephron. Yeah, there you who go. Wrote <laughs> when Harry met um, Sally. So I have really... I think I've only seen Billy Crystal and Monsters, Inc. So, you know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how much I've ever really actually seen him in ending apart from presenting Oscars. Yeah, I, um, I sway on Billy Crystal. Sometimes I think like, oh, he's okay. And other times I'm like, I want to punch that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. so obviously very famous movie. Once again, extremely quotable lines. Yes, um, yes. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, by the time this 
that episode hits the air, Valentine's Day will have come and gone. Yep. But um, <laughs> who knows? Maybe Chris and I watch it together for Valentine's Day. Yep. We can or open our significant or something. Maybe that's the way to do it. But, um, <laughs> yep. Hmm. Well, I guess uh, tune in for that, everyone. Um, and thanks for listening. Uh, I guess we'll see you for that episode. Uh, for this week, I'm Chris. I'm Eric. And we'll catch you after Valentine's Day. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.